Hello, everyone, and welcome back into another edition of the Calvin Levis right here on the Calvin Levis radio program on Anchor Radio. Find us on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And don't go follow us on social media. Don't go follow us on Twitter. Don't go follow us on Facebook. Don't go follow us on any of those sites because, frankly, it's um, really beyond me at this point to be on any of those social media sites, personally speaking. Obviously, I will get a presence for the show back on those sites as soon as possible to grow the audience and to hopefully expand the truth in an age where truth really is relative. And I think it's always been relative for quite some time for a lot of people. But we finally formalized the idea of what is truth. You know, as the once famous, infamous now Pontius Pilate said to Jesus Christ of Nazareth in the Bible, what is truth? And right now we're living in the in the age of exactly that, of questioning what is reality, what are the facts of the matter, what are not the facts, what is opinion. It's so confusing right now to live in this country and live in the world in general. And it's gone beyond politics, really. It's gone beyond the frame of the constitutional body and the institutions that have held on to us, that we've held on to actually for so long and that they've held on to us vice versa, obviously. Um, We've needed each other, but now we've come to a point and understanding, many people in American life have, that those institutions do not serve us. They've always served the rich. They've always served the greedy. They've always served the powerful. They've always served the corrupt. They've never served people like you and me, the common man and woman trying to fight for a living in this country, sustain a growth within themselves and within their own economic basis. They've never fought for us. They've claimed to. We've known this about politicians the entire way. They lie to you. They tell you they're going to be your best friend if you vote for them. They're going to give you goodies and cookies and, you know, they're going to give you the world pretty much if you vote for them. And they will make sure that your enemies or their enemies, as they'll, they'll frame it, their opponents who are, quote unquote, working against you, they're going to fight your opponents for you in battle. All you need to do is give them your vote. And they've played that card over and over and over again in American politics for years. And we've bought it. We've kind of just accepted that they're going to lie to us. And then came Donald Trump back in 2016. I'm writing a book about this right now. And he totally shook up, not about Donald Trump, but just about the year 2016. Because a lot of interesting things happened in that year, politically speaking. Our eyes were opened in a way that had not that they had not been in quite some time. The idea that somebody outside of the political framework of this country could go in and infiltrate such a framework and bend it to his ruling in a way that we've never seen an outsider do in the history of this country before and perhaps will ever. Um, It's really an incredible thing to watch and, and monitor. And we saw it happen right in front of our eyes. I was a senior coming out of high school, actually, 2016, uh, my last day of high school, June 10th, 2016. And it was a time of a lot of political upheaval, a lot of turmoil going on. Um, the DNC was just about getting ratcheted up in July, uh, along with the RNC. Um, it, it, it was hectic. That even before the summer had begun, Trump rallies had been suspended or canceled entirely because of the political violence that was ensuing on the ground in places like Chicago, where people actually took to the podium and were storming it. And they deemed it unsafe for Donald Trump to go out there because people were getting ravenous and, and rabid and crazy. That like kind of like what we've seen the last four years um, that has been, in a way, in many places, it's been justified, the violence. 
And in many places now it's been normalized, I'd say, in American society where it's all right to get angry and start throwing things and lighting buildings on fire. And it's just become an accepted way of life because people say that without violence, there is no progress, that we've spoken long enough and you haven't heard us. So now you're going to feel us. And I understand that sentiment entirely. It is completely appropriate to believe that that would be the logical next step in human rationale and, and thinking. It's not, it's not rational really in any sense uh, when it comes down to actually committing acts of violence in places like in the big cities, Houston, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Los Angeles. We saw them all on fire last year with all the BLM riots and, and the mostly peaceful protests that weren't really mostly peaceful at all. They were just blatant riots. We saw Minnesota on fire last year. Um, and then we saw in the Capitol building what happened actually earlier this year on the opposite side of the political spectrum. So we're seeing this justification on both sides of violence in this country. And we're trying to pin it all on these politicians who we've known have always been liars, have always been greedy, have always been corrupt, have always been, have always been looking out for number one. Numero uno, they have never sought to fulfill the will of the people in any which way whatsoever. And like I said, they'll tell you that. They'll, they'll lie to you straight to your face and they'll say, hey, I'm, I'm fighting for you. Just remember that. I have you in mind, nobody else. And they're all liars. They're all thieves. They're all scoundrels. They're all vagabonds. They're all corporate buyouts and sellouts. They're, they're, they're nobody to the common man. And that's why it really leads me to believe that this problem that we're seeing in this country of division, of divisiveness, that will only increase as time goes on, Joe Biden being president, does not affect anything about where this country is going. If actually, if only, I mean, it actually makes it worse, <laughs> to be quite honest with you guys. It makes it a lot worse. Joe Biden being president is going to be worse for this country. He's a 77-year-old man, doesn't know his name half the time, doesn't know where he is half the time. He has dementia for sure, possibly Alzheimer's. We don't know, okay? You listen to him, you listen to these softball questions the media throws at him in press conferences, you're thinking to yourself, wow, <laughs> what, what banana republic are we living in? What kind of puppet democracy are we really trying to okay and normalize and just be, just be all right with, you know, uh, just to get by, just, just to say that we don't have Donald Trump as our president anymore. What length did we go to, to ensure that he wouldn't be? And was it worth that risk? Was it worth replacing Donald Trump to get this guy, to get this person who is again, old, senile, possibly, uh, losing, a lot of his capacity to a certain extent, if you ask me. And like I said, based on what I've seen at his press conferences, um, and the media knows that everyone seemingly knows that Joe Biden, even people that voted for Joe Biden that I know, they, they didn't even vote for Joe because of Joe. They voted for Joe because it wasn't Donald Trump. They didn't vote because there was so much enthusiasm behind the candidate. It was more enthusiasm and hatred towards Donald Trump that drove them to vote for Joe Biden. And I was actually reading a, an article in this book, The Coddling of the American Mind, uh, written by Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff. It, it's, like I said, it's a book. Go check it out on Barnes & Noble, wherever you guys find books. It's a powerful read for a lot of reasons. Uh, really stupid for a lot of other reasons. It, it's like a 50-50 thing for me because they're kind of lefty-leaning, and you can tell because they try to, like, really create boogeymen out of the right. It, it's, you know, it's hilarious because... We all know right now the American left is a lot scarier than the American right. Looking at this, just how it is, it is not a 50-50 battle. It is not, well, you know, they're, they're both, they both suck. 
it's this idea that uh, they're, they're trying to promulgate in and uh, and propagate within the framework of that book. I don't buy it for a second. I believe everyone knows that Antifa is a lot scarier than the Proud Boys. I've never heard of the Proud Boys. Uh, I've heard a lot about Antifa in Portland and Oregon and Chaz and whatnot. They actually are about action, which is what scares people about the American left. Uh, the American right, on the far right, I really... The KKK is done in this country. People are trying to again, drum up boogeymen where they don't even exist. The KKK is done in this country. They're never coming back. That's that's from an era that's bygone. It's it's so far gone, it will never resurrect because it just will not be allowed to. But I'm getting off the point. The point is I read this article uh, in that book, The Coddling of the American Mind, by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Hyde, um, where it says that people are now being driven to be inspired into politics, not because of their love for their own party, but because of the hate that is generated for the opposing party. So they'll go and vote. People will go and vote now, not because they love the Republican Party or not because they love the Democratic Party, but because they hate either of those parties. So say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Republican. I'm going to go vote because I hate the Democrats, not because I love the Republican platform so much, but more because I hate the Democrats. And this has been studied over and over again in that book. They, they go over the studies. And it's truly, I think it really lines up with reality in that sense, in that part of the book. The book lines up with reality because I've heard it and I've seen it. I mean, I, I was listening to people even back in 2016 when Hillary Clinton was running. They were going to vote for Hillary and they hated Hillary, but they hated Donald Trump even more. They didn't like Hillary Clinton. They, they knew that she was a sellout. They knew she would not fight for the working man. They knew she could not even come close to understanding the ways of a commoner like ourselves, of a normal person like us, because they live in totally separate worlds in their mansions with their beautiful cars and their lavish lifestyles. They're never, ever going to come back down to our earth, real world, of the real world problems of the common man and woman. Never. Never going to happen. And they knew that about Hillary. They knew that about Donald Trump. But the thing is, they hated Donald more than they hated Hillary. And so they went for the, they always said the lesser of two evils type of thing. That was the argument back in 2016. It's the lesser of two evils. Which one will you choose? You know, she's got baggage, but he's got a lot more baggage. Or she's, you know, he's got baggage, but she's got a lot more baggage. So it was that kind of thing. And it drives, again, this point of divisiveness in this country that we are just inching further and further and further off the cliff. Like, we're already there. We're just inching further off of it. Like, our toes are off of it now. And eventually, the whole bodies are just going to fall off. We're going to fall into the rocks. And we're all going to die. You know, not to sound so pessimistic or, you know, but it's just, that's the way the country is going right now. There is no upside. There is no, there's only downside for a lot of people out there, especially young people like myself. I'm 22 years old. I'm part of Generation Z. I see things the way I've seen them is post 9-11, really. My whole life has been post 9-11, has been living with, you know, border checkpoints. I don't know. I don't know a time in this country where there were not border checkpoints because I've always grown up with them around. I've always grown up with the, with the uh, TSA in the airports. I've always grown up with people uh, telling me about terrorist attacks because that's always been a thing in this country is watching out for the next one because of what happened in 9-11 and how that affected the country and the psyche of the country so much. So we grew up in a very traumatized time and a very abnormal time that only gets more and more abnormal by the day. And it's scary and it's profound and it's disgusting to many, many extents um, of the word. And I would just, you know, 
there's really nowhere to go with it. And like I said, if you go to politics with this whole thing, there's no, I mean, who, what are you going to say? Oh, they're better than this party. Are they really? We've seen over the course of this pandemic, we've seen there's only one party in Washington. It's the establishment elites. Those are the only ones that matter in this country, according to them. They only go for one party and that's for them. They look out for themselves They are ambitious, and that's why they got into office. They are power-hungry, money-grabbing, lobby-interested groups of people who, again, have lost touch and base with the normal ones like us. They only look out for themselves, and I cannot emphasize that enough. And it drives the point home, if we can't look to politics for our answers, where to? Well, I would encourage you guys to read your Bibles. I would highly implore you guys to look for spiritual guidance because humanity is flawed. Humans suck. Humans have always sucked. We're always going to suck because we're always flawed. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are not going to get any better. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better because that's how the world is going to operate. That's how this world has always operated. And now with more time, we've invented new ways to sin. I was reading in Romans uh, just the other day about sin and how people, they can't have enough sin. So they start inventing ways to sin. It's a very incredible thing to understand when you start watching it play out in real life. Not just read it on an old manuscript. People think the Bible doesn't live and breathe. The Bible lives and breathes for those who read it, for those who want to understand more of it. And the more you want to understand more of it, the more you understand the world you're living in right now. Romans is a perfect, perfect study of humanity, especially the beginning chapters of Romans. And Romans 1 talks about how uh, homosexuality came about and how uh, that transforms into all kinds of different sexual sins. It, it goes from stepping out on your wife to, okay, let's try this thing now. Okay, let's try that thing. Before you know it, you're a pedophile, you know, and it's not really, uh, for not, not for everybody. Huh? What I'm saying is that the eventual progression of the sin is evident in history where it always goes a step further. Heck, look at our own time right now. It's a perfect example. We went from fighting for just gay rights and lesbian rights, right? Bisexual rights, whatever that is, to now we're fighting for, now the main thing is transgenderism. Now, how did we hop from it's okay to be gay to you better accept trannies or you're a bad person? Well, where did that ever come into the fold here? Well, it's because if you read your Bible, if you understand history, you understand where it's going, this is how it always progresses. It always goes this way because we've opened Pandora's box. Good luck shutting it. Because we fed into the narrative already. As soon as you let the, just left a crack open in the door. You didn't close it right? Oh, dude. It's only a matter of time before the person breaks in. Only a matter of time before the person just barges in and, and just robs your whole house. <laughs> because that's how it happens. When they come at you and they say, we want justice, it's never about justice. It's always, or they want equality. It's never about equality. It's about inequality. It's because these group of people, they feel wronged for so many years. And not even them, people fighting for them, feel that they've wronged this group of people for so many years. They're driven by this strange guilt that they have amongst themselves because they feel like they're terrible human beings for never paying attention to these rights and these issues. So they reemphasize how powerful these rights and issues are and why we should have them 
on the main platforms in our country when really they serve no purpose. I don't care who you sleep with. I really don't. That's between you and God. I really don't care if you try to have a sex change. Just don't come to me and try to date me because I'm not into that. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have any problem with people doing what they want with their lives. That's between them and God. That's for them to answer to when God gets to uh, them on judgment day. That's what's going to happen. And, uh, but now we have people even trying to infiltrate the church. What I had never had an issue with was people living out their lives. Okay. Outside the church, you know, it's a different thing. Now we're trying to have this perversion, this disgusting perversion in the church and churches and pastors are falling flat and they're going along with the gay message, with the trans message, with the lesbian message of it's okay to be who you are because God made you that way and God doesn't make mistakes, right? So if God made you to be gay, then you have to act on that will. You have to act on that. And it's not a sin because that's how he made you. And again, God doesn't make mistakes. It's a twisted form of theology that we see time and time again being preached by these phony pastors, this phony doctrine that says that you do not have to improve yourself, that you have to, it's okay, just keep on living your life and, you know, do you, boo, because, you know, that's how God made you. And if God made you that way, and that, that that's it. That's bullshit and we know it. That is outright disgusting blasphemy against the word of God. And we know that. As Christians, it's so insulting to watch our own Christian church come at these people and and welcome them in. And not even welcome them in. You can welcome in sinners. That's what church is for. Where you cannot step on, on God's toes, really, is when you say, we welcome in you along with your sin. And that's really what, you know, the gay community has done over the last several years, maybe even before I was born, obviously, back in the 90s, when they were saying that, well, I am part of the sin. I am the sin. So what? God made me this way. So they've kind of intertwined the sin with the person. Before there was a saying in Christianity where you love the person, you hate the sin because God hates sin. That's very clear in the Bible. And one of the main sins he cannot live to, I mean, he cannot even ever exist around is sexual sin because it's an internal sin. Like all sins, it's internal, but sexual sin incorporates the body in a way that, say, greed or envy doesn't. It, it's part, it's you, it's all of you being immersed in that sin. That's why they say sexual sin is the most prominent and the most vicious of sins. Look at pornography even. Look at the, the addiction that that people get fed into with pornography because they cannot help themselves. It's their, it's their body, it's their mind, and they're both working in one sorry direction to pervert themselves further, and they love it. The, the mind and the body cannot get enough perversion, especially with sexual sin. So the thing is with the church is now that they've, in, they've incorporated this doctrine within their own doctrine to say that it's okay to be gay, it's okay to be lesbian, it's okay to be bisexual, it's okay to be trans and be a Christian. That is a lie, that is a false narrative, a false doctrine preached straight out of the pits of hell. And it is something that we must correct as Christians. We cannot have this kind of hypocrisy, this blasphemy, stand in the Christian church. And again, we have pastors that are more concerned with money grabbing, just like our elites in Washington. They're more concerned with money and not purity of the word of God. They don't care about the Word of God at this point. They care about, it's all a facade for them. They care about getting the seats filled and getting your money. It's a racket. For many people, it's always been a racket. 
but it's more obvious now than ever that we live in a very corrupted time in this country, in the world in general. The messages are being strewn and skewed and perverted in any which way possible. And it's time we have people stand up for this nonsense and reassert our lives back in order. And the only way we do that, I feel, in my understanding of humanity, is by looking upwards and asking God for direction in our lives, asking Him to be the focal point, asking Him to be the driver in our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions, and asking Him to just guide us and direct us in every which way of our lives, to perfect us in a way that we could never, ever imagine doing for ourselves. And that's why I'm really coming at you guys with a political slash, you know, religious faith message today because I am fed up with people saying, what do we do? What do we do? Especially Christians in my own life. Where do we go from here? It's like, do you guys not know? Have you guys been in church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years? And you guys have not learned a single thing? What have you guys been doing? Where has the Christian church been? Where have the leaders gone? Where were the leaders? Have there ever been leaders in these churches? Especially these startup churches. I, I know one guy, especially down here in the valley, a very young guy, has his whole family incorporated in a, in a church. And they preached, again, this progressive message, this message of, of just allowing sin to fester in the church. You're perverting and corrupting the body of Christ. We're taught as Christians that the church is the body of Christ. And when you allow these perverts into the pews and you allow their perversion to seep into the pews rather than asking them to repent as is deemed appropriate by every Christian ever in the history of Christianity, you are perverting the body of Christ. You are skewing the true message of hope and promise and of change that is given in Christianity. It's one thing to live out your life outside the church. Got it. It's one thing to come into the domain of Christ and to corrupt it and to totally pervert it and to allow for it to happen. You're not a pastor at that point. You're not a leader. You're not some faith mogul. You're not. You may think you are. People may think you are. And again, the popularity will increase among those pastors that preach popular messages. But the Bible was never meant to be popular. The Bible was never for people who were looking to be popular. Christians have been persecuted since there were Christians. Since the first century AD, after Christ died, the Romans came after the Christians and the Jews for believing in Christ. Christianity eventually overtook the Roman Empire and was one of the main reasons why it was divided uh, in half before we even knew it. Christianity is not for people who are looking to make others feel accepted. You feel accepted, yes, by incorporating yourself in the body of Christ, not by bringing along your baggage into it. You leave that at the altar and you commit yourself to repenting, to continual repentance in the body of Christ within the framework of the church. And again, the church has become corrupted. This, this is not all in the people. The people on the outside coming in, they don't know any better. They're of the world. They have a worldly mindset. They don't get it. I don't fault them because they're of the world. What I do not understand, and actually what I do understand and what I think is sick, is the church allowing this perversion and corruption to continue, knowing that it is totally against the word of God. They're preaching, again, false doctrine, false news, 
false hope to a false congregation. God cannot be found in those churches. Christ cannot be found in those churches. And we have to have leaders step up and call this nonsense out for what it is, this stupidity out for what it is. It's so disgusting to watch and see and hear these, again, these false preachers um, say things that aren't true, that are never in the Bible, and how they skew them and, and really uh, twist the Word of God into saying what they want it to say rather than saying what it says. It's incredible. It really is. And it's, it's truly a sad thing. I'm sure God mourns in heaven every time a pastor says an illegitimate word and leads more people astray. And man, that is going to be some sad judgment for those pastors on Judgment Day. That is going to be harsh for them. And they're going to deserve it because you knowingly corrupted God, his image, what he stands for on this earth and above all things in order to fulfill your own greediness, your own lust for people and their money to achieve worldly aims with a heavenly message. It is, it is something else. And and it really angers me. It frustrates me to see the lack of accountability in the church amongst our leaders, amongst our supposed leaders, they're not even leaders, they're followers at this point, but they're disguised as leaders. They're sheep among the sheep. There are no wolves in the church anymore. There are no people who really, it's a very dying minority of pastors that goes out and says things for what they are. They're, they're They're not scared to confront the truth with the truth. It's a very slim majority now, a very actually a, a small minority of people that are called pastors, that are men of the cloth, so to speak, uh, and that will do the bidding of God regardless of anything, regardless of how unpopular the message is. And again, I go back to the, to, to the Bible where, where it says that if you are a pastor, you're not called to be somebody, uh, it's like a rock star. I don't know where America's gone, uh, where really we've now even made our pastors these idols to be held on to on some mantle. They're nothing. They're nobody outside of God. And they've even themselves forgotten that. And it's time we go back and we remember where we come from. And that way we remember where we're going. We have a direction to our lives that isn't just driven in humanity and the sinfulness of it all and the ways of the world. We're called to be better than that. And the new church that's rising right now, I see potential, I see hope, I see promise, I see an optimism that has not been in the church, in the pews, at the altar for quite some time. And it really drives me to, uh, to happiness when I see that. But it frustrates me, and I'm sure it frustrates God, when he sees the old church that is, thank God, withering away with its weak messaging, with its emphasis on grace, with its lack of condemnation for sin, we, we, that, we, that, that he sees that it's just, I'm sure he's repulsed by it. And I am too. And I think well, we're fed up. The new church that's rising is fed up. And that's why I am starting this new endeavor. I am in, in really embarking on a new endeavor here on the platform, on the radio show that will give us Christians, if you guys are not interested in, in my messaging, obviously by now I'm sure you've turned off the show. But if you are interested, I encourage you to continue to tune in. Uh, 
every Thursday to a new message from the Bible. Because sometimes God really calls people and they don't want to be answering the call. And I was one of those people that really did not want to answer any call from God. I just didn't want to hear it. Uh, it's scary when God calls you to something, especially something big like uh, with being a pastor. I was called to be a pastor by three different pastors over the course of my lifetime already and by many other people who are just in the church and have always told me, you have a gift for speaking. You have a gift for letting the Word of God flow out of you. Just relinquish your worldliness and go into it. Go into the ministry. God is calling you and it's a sin to go against the calling of God and God will choose somebody else. It'll be sad for you. I've seen that happen in my own life in my own family even, where God has called these people with great talents and great gifts to work for him in the missionary field or in the United States, on the streets, in the churches. And yet the calling of God did not move them. And they ended up living very miserable, very lonely, very lowly lives because of it, because they rejected the call of God. And I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to be one of those people living with regret, saying, man, I could have done better. Or if only I'd listened to him, I could have been in the position of that man now who's leading a church, who's doing well for his family, who's doing well for his community, who's changing the world in a positive way. I don't want to be that guy. And so I finally made the commitment now after the course of about, I'd say maybe, I don't even know how many years, I've kind of just kind of, ugh, kind of shunned it, like kind of like Jonah. Or where he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He was like, I don't want to do that, dude. I don't want to go there. And then after, you know, the, he got on the boat to go to Tarshish and the storm came out of nowhere. And it, it was just a way of God saying, you're going to get off this boat to Tarshish and uh, you're going to go to Nineveh because I told you to. And I think finally, uh, call me, call me Jonah. Um, I'm finally going to Nineveh and, and preaching because we are living in Nineveh. <laughs> America is Nineveh. It's not even Sodom and Gomorrah at this point. It's Nineveh. I think they're all sister cities at one point. But, um, and I do apologize for my language earlier. I didn't mean to let it out. Just, I get really passionate and it angers me and I'm very young and I, I just apologize. I don't mean to, to cuss on the program. I, I, I'm better than that, obviously. But it does frustrate the heck out of me when I see this kind of, this, ugh, this mess that the church has become. And really, it's one of the main reasons why America is in the position that it's in right now, because America was once led by the church, was once led by morals and principles and values that we're now tossing away in society. Uh, it's, it's a very, very sad thing to watch and to see it happen when we're so young. I'm 22, like I said, I'm, I'm a young man and seeing my country fall away from the greatness that it was at one point. Man, it's like, where did we go wrong? Well, we went wrong when we started with the sexual revolutions in the, in the 60s. When we started with this whole, the feminist movement of the 70s that put the sexes against each other. And then we had the, the, the homosexual revolution of the 80s. And then now what we're seeing in this country goes beyond the homosexual revolution. And it's just straight up depravity. Like I said earlier, we have invented ways to sin that were never once thought of before. It is repulsive, and like I said, it's very disgusting. It's very sad to see, and we still have a lot of life left. That's why I'm not, I can't give up on this country. I can't give up the fact of hope in this country because I am so young. I have to see the world for what it is. I have to see uh, everything for what it is, the reality of my situation, 
but also realize that God is beyond the reality. God is beyond understanding of the situation right now. Everything can change in a matter of moments if we just put our faith in him and not in these politicians, not in the crooked media, not in anybody outside of God. Because he holds the world in his hands. He holds the future in his hands. And if we don't trust him, who are we going to trust again? Who are we going to trust? We, we, can't, we can't place our faith in anything else that's more solid and more concrete than God. And so my encouragement to everybody out there listening to the program today uh, is to continue pressing forward in faith. To not let the reality of our circumstances dictate to us our moods and our emotions for the future. Uh, we are better than that. We were born for more than that. Um, we are a generation that can go and take this thing by storm. And I want to be a part of that change. I want to be a part of that cause. And that's why every single week now, from here on out, as long as I can, I'm going to uh, put out a Bible study for those of you who are interested in hearing out the Word of God and hearing out the actual truth of the matter because now... Now is the time. Now is, it's never been better. Now with so much evil out there, it has never been a better time to preach the truth because it is just so obvious. It's so out there. You know, you just look around and you're like, man, something is not right in this world right now. Like, where are we headed? Where did we get off? Uh, Is this the right stop on the bus? Like, you know, should we have gone further down the, the way? No, it's even worse down the way. If you keep on looking in the reality, if you look upwards towards God, it is a beautiful thing. It is a powerful thing. And it is something that we must look to strive to do every single day of our lives. If, as we are believers and doers of the word of God, we must look up. We cannot look forward. We must look up as a difference. A very big difference. You look straight, straight at you know what's in front of you. You're probably going to freak out. It's a freaky situation. But if you look upwards, all that sorrow, all that misery, all that depression goes away and you put your faith in the one who holds everything in his hands. And it's a very lovely thing. So go follow us on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts. And I will be back soon with a message from out of Romans. I believe out of Romans 1 is what I'll be preaching on. Um, uh, And and we'll actually be having a, a Bible study group pretty soon. Me and my buddy Juan came up with this whole idea because we're, we're just feeling the same thing right now. As, as believers in Christ, we believe that the time is now to act. The time is now to build on our relationships with, with fellow believers and especially with those who don't believe because you're not out of the loop yet. Just because you were born into sin like everybody else does not mean you can't fight that sin. Does not mean you can't capitalize on the promise of God's will over your life. Jesus Christ is available to everybody out there who believes in him, who wants to put their faith in him. And if you're one of those people, we encourage you to listen to the podcast. We encourage you to go. And when we have everything settled out for the study group, I know right now in California, the whole COVID thing, the whole COVID situation is is really out of whack. Um, But as soon as we have everything kind of wrapped up in that realm, as soon as we know where we want to meet, uh, where it's appropriate, especially in the city, Um, or at somebody's house, how appropriate that is, especially given the circumstances, again, of COVID-19. We don't want to infect anybody. We don't want to get anybody sick. Um, We we just want to be responsible about it. So as soon as we have more information on the study group, on the physical study group, we'll get more out to you guys. But until then, uh, I'll I'll be recording uh, Bible studies, and I'll be releasing them probably tonight, if not tomorrow. 
uh, the study on Romans. And uh, with that said, I'll see you guys uh, very shortly. Again, go follow us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts. And with that said, thank you very much for tuning in, and hopefully we see you and hear from you very shortly. Thank you very much.